This week's episode of The Jake is brought to you by all who have donated and purchased t-shirts and uh, helped me along the way. So, without further ado, uh, this week's sponsors are uh, Mitch McCullough, the McGuire's of Girard, Ohio. Thank you very much. Uh, Julian Brian Garrity, News 12's uh, Marissa Muzika and Tony Muzika. Thank you guys very much. Chris Heine and his fiance Lauren Barry, uh, the Joe and Katie Hayducks of Cleveland, Ohio, Adele Corey, uh, my good buddy Tom Scotto, who's going to be on in a couple weeks to discuss fantasy football, friend Billy Young, Ryan Cunningham, Mrs. Kathy Heine of Spring Lake, thank you very much for being a loyal listener since day one, Brian Foley, cousin of mine from New York City. Albert DePero, Cousin Bert, who's going to be here for next week's episode when we do the dodgeball tournament on my birthday at the Scotto House. Uh, next up, the Cookie Man, Joe Stockridge. Joe, thank you so much. And of course, my guests, Sarah Swenerton, Stephen Lorenzo, Zach Flaherty, Owen Stewart, this week's Justin Canning, and then other special guests, my Uncle Mark Corey, and Aunt Sharon Corey, Mr. Scotto from Spring Lake, one of my best buds' dads and one of the funniest guys I know is Mr. Scotto. And Derek Brainy, artist for the show, designed the shirt, and of course was one of the first ones to get a shirt. Thank you all who have donated. Hope you're enjoying this and sure to give you more stuff in the future. But for now, thanks for being a sponsor. Here we go, episode 14. the jake episode 14 the auto graham episode i know that kind of breaks from tradition of all the bad quarterbacks that i've been naming that we name episodes after so for a little history lesson for you guys auto graham is one of the greatest cleveland browns of all time and if you think it's just a bias towards oh you know browns think he fans think he's so good uh in the peter king sports illustrated all-time football draft. He was the third quarterback selected and in the top 10, only behind uh, Johnny Unitas and Tom Brady. So that's just how some of the greatest football minds of our generation think about Otto Graham. Guy went to 10 straight championships, one of the records that probably will never be broken in football, and is widely known as one of the first great quarterbacks uh, it was slightly before the Super Bowl era. I know a lot of people like to hold that against Browns fans, saying, oh, what have you done for me lately? Oh, everything you've got is in the Super Bowl era. But you know what? If we're going to discount that, you know, why don't we uh, take away any Yankees from uh, the 1920s, you know, all those teams, or the 30s? You know, if we're going to keep on going back and taking away what the Browns did in the 50s and 60s, uh, where does it stop? You know, when do we, uh, when do we hold our limit? But... Uh, Otto Graham, number 14. He was actually number 60 originally, but switched his number when 
you know, football was kind of switching over to making quarterback numbers a lower number. But the autogram episode, thanks everybody. Uh, yeah, so big episode this week. We actually have uh, a interview with a good friend of mine and former roommate. Last week we had Steven Lorenzo, the third inter- uh, the third roommate of that room. Justin Canning will be on shortly, just waiting for him in a couple minutes. So that will be a lot of fun. I know what he's going to talk about. He's going to jump right into Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and how the Cavaliers are imploding. He's not entirely wrong if you have been living under a rock. Last Friday, Kyrie said, well, it was actually a couple weeks ago, but last Friday it was leaked that Kyrie Irving wants a trade. He wants out of Cleveland. Um, This is not all that surprising to me. Uh, I think he's wanted to kind of be a star of his own show. I don't think that's the craziest thing. If he thinks LeBron is going to leave and he kind of wants a fresh start somewhere else, instead of picking up the pieces after LeBron leaves. That's fair. I, I actually, I, I, I don't fault him for that. But the moment that all the other things that came out, like he wants to be a star, yet he wants to go to the Spurs, that doesn't make sense to me. And, uh, you know, why would he want to go to a team like the Knicks that are horrible and rebuilding? And, you know, just because the Cavs are, are a little dysfunctional right now. Like, it's not like the Knicks are... A really functional franchise, so I think a lot of these things are that we're going to be talking about uh, are kind of contradictory, and that's where that's where it's a little disappointing is that it doesn't seem very straightforward. Now, no one has really come out uh, recently to clear any of this up. Dan Gilbert had a press conference, but did not answer any of the questions really people wanted to hear. He just said that he expects Kyrie Irving to be in camp because he's under contract, and honestly, by the time that camp starts. You know, con- the, he he won't be on the caps. He'll be gone. So yeah. So anyway, uh, without further ado, here is the interview with Justin Canning. All right, welcome to the podcast, my good friend, former roommate. Justin Canning. You can find him on Twitter at Justin C. Canning, C-A-N-N-I-N-G. Justin, what's going on, man? Baker, 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 what's up? Oh, not much. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even gonna like beat around the bush. I'm just gonna cut right to it because I know you want to like troll me hard for being a Cavs fan, but uh, yeah. So, so I'll get right into it. Like. Yeah, because I, I recorded this the night before all the Kyrie stuff came out. So now I've been, like, itching to kind of bring it up. And, and people want to bring it up to me. And I'm like, no, save it for the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I went at you pretty hard there. We had a nice little kind of analogy going. Yeah. That's what I drank the luck. Um, but, no, it's, um, I, I think this is, like... You know, LeBron's all upset about this, and, and this is kind of his own doing. You know, he, he created the create-your-own-destiny type mentality with these superstar athletes, and Kyrie, I think, is, is reading the writing on the wall, and he knows, like, you know, LeBron's out next year, he's not going to be a Cavs. Like, that, that's pretty much a fact at this point. I don't know about um, that, but but go ahead, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think Kyrie's just something like, you know, he can kind of get his own destiny, he doesn't want to be, like, you know, LeBron's kind of sidekick forever. Um, so if he if he sets this opportunity to kind of do what he wants to do, and if he wants to go play in New York, like his hometown, like this is literally LeBron's playbook. He's he's, he's using right now. So 
So it's um, it's surprising. Like I did not see that coming at all. But I'm, I'm not like you know, it, it's not like completely out of the realm of like ridiculous. Like I think this is kind of a it's kind of not the right thing to do. I don't love superstar at the time being like the kind of Madonna type thing, but. Um, I have no problem with it, and I, I think like the Cavs are going to get a great haul in return. So I, you know, this isn't a huge loss either way for them. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a couple like really good points, and like the first one is number one. This this is LeBron's doing, and like. I don't, a lot of people think I like, oh, I, I, I carry LeBron on my back or I'm always like supporting him. I only like LeBron because he plays for the team I like. Uh, so that's like, that's like number one with me, but you're so right. This is his doing. And not only because of the way he left Cleveland the first time and did the superstar team and is now basically telling the rest of the NBA, you can do this. If you're that good, you can kind of dictate where you go because the NBA revolves around superstars more so in that sport than than any sport I can think of. So yeah. the superstars dictate the NBA more so than anything else. And they're like, look, if I want to go play here with these people, I'm going to go do that. So I'm not even surprised that Kyrie's doing that. The other thing that people aren't pointing out about LeBron is he keeps on holding teams in check. He does this thing where he signs the like the minimum contract where he can opt down after one year and get more money and also dictate where he wants to go. Did he never think that was going to come back in his face and think, you know what, my teammates probably don't like that shit. They probably hate that and think, you know what, I'm not only keeping the rest of the league in check, I'm keeping my team in check. Because the moment he leaves, he leaves that team in shambles. So forgive Kyrie for wanting to be part of a bigger thing and think, you know what, if LeBron is going to leave next year, I'm going to be left with a bunch of veterans that are LeBron's friends. And I don't want that. I want to be part of a core that's 24, 25 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And like, look, I have nothing wrong with guys like trying to maximize their value and get paid what they should, like based on their actual like market value. Like I, I don't like when guys try to like stack up teams with like three superstars and like, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron and Wade and Bosch. Like he, they, that was three guys like basically in their prime Wade kind of like on the, on the, the decline a little bit, but like those are three guys basically in their prime, like, and they, that, they just held the rest of the, that roster hostage. Like, you know, yeah. they won because those, those three guys were so good. But, like, you know, no other, cha- no other team's going to win a championship with, like, um, with Mario Chalmers starting and, like, a rotation of Joel Anthony and Adonis has in the center. Like, they, you, you can't create, like, a, a great one through five team if you're three guys, two through four, like, sapping up the entire, uh, the entire uh, salary there, like, the, the entire like, salary cap. Like, and I think... That is coming back to like to bite him in the ass, and LeBron is like he can continue to hold teams hostage, like in these like one and two year contracts, because he has no real regard for building like a solid one through five team that's not like all superstars. Like, yeah, he'd be better off. He'd be better off like ditching Kevin Love, like and getting young guys. Like, I mean, I I still think like Andrew Wiggins would have been a, a great guy to have on that roster instead of Kevin Love. For so, the couple of years. And, so yeah, that's that's a good point about like everyone likes to point out that and like. I have one friend in particular who loves to point out, well, wouldn't you rather have Andrew Wiggins? And it's like, well, yes, after the run, yeah, I'd rather have Andrew Wiggins. But the whole the whole thing about drafting Andrew Wiggins and getting LeBron here was LeBron was coming knowing that Wiggins wasn't going to be part of it. They never spoke in their time in Cleveland together. I know the time in Cleveland was about a month before they traded for, for Kevin Love, but he didn't reach out to him once. And when he took out the, the article on SI... 
He mentioned Tristan Thompson. He mentioned Kyrie. He did not mention Deion Waiters. He did not mention Andrew Wiggins. And that, I, that like, immediately I was like, okay, it kind of sounds like he was just picking out his buddies because everybody knew he really liked Kyrie. And he's he's actually really liked Tristan Thompson even before he came back to Cleveland. Like, they, they did a lot of camps and stuff with him. But that, like, this whole, oh, they could have had Andrew Wiggins and they could have won with him. It really doesn't matter because right now I'm wearing a shirt that says all for one, one for all, 2016 NBA Finals champion. So like the only reason the the that like I can – and I was always going to hang my hat on this. The Kevin Love trade worked because they won a finals. Could they have won more? Maybe. Maybe they don't win one at all though. Like so it's difficult. And maybe they don't get LeBron if they're saying, no, we're keeping this young roster. So it's it's really tough to say. But they won a finals, and all Cleveland fans are happy with the trade. And I'm sure all Minnesota fans are really happy with the trade. Yeah, no, and and I I think that's fair. I think, like, you know, the the problem is, is, like, when you have a guy like LeBron that's still, like, I need more superstars. You need to compete every single year. Like, one year's not enough. Like, that Mm -hmm. whole thing, it's like, you kind of can't have your cake and eat it, too, at this point. Yeah. And it's tough for you guys, especially someone like you, who isn't in love with LeBron, but, like, is stuck with him and his, his, like, ginormous ego. But, like... I think the, the fact that, like, LeBron is still, like, you know, we made the championship, but, like, I don't have playmakers. It's like, bro, you're the best playmaker in the fucking league. Like, yeah, that was that was a tough one to, like, hold my tongue down on. I was like, dude, come yeah. on. Like, like, what? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, it's, I mean, like, and when he said, like, the playmaker thing and, like, uh, it actually rang true in the finals when, like, Darren Williams wasn't doing anything and, it like, the moment that Kyrie isn't making plays, it's like, you know, he does need playmakers if he wants to, like, compete with this Golden State team. It was just, like, even when he said it, I was like, oh, shut up. Please shut up. Like, 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 yeah. like you were giving all the haters easy fuel. Like, a lot of the times, the trolls, and you, and that's you sometimes, but a lot of the trolls, they, they reach. And then LeBron gives them something really tasty where it's just, like, serving it up really easy. And it's like, okay, like, Judge knocks it out of the park style. Yeah, like that—that that was like the biggest softball of all time. Like yeah, exactly. Like literally the best playmaker like the, that we've seen in the last fifteen years. Like that's your job. That's literally why. Like if you're going to be the king, if you're going to like like hold teams hostage and demand all this money and say you want to be the first billionaire athlete, like you better go out there and earn it. Like you can't say like I need help here. You know, like go out and do it yourself. And like look, he's he's absolutely capable of taking over games. Like I still, I haven't seen him like you know, just, like, shut down a game and be like, okay, this is my time. In, like, in probably, like, 10 years, though, not not since he scored, like, 26 straight points in a playoff game to, like, will his team to victory. Like, I haven't really seen that from him in a while. I think that's a little harsh because, like, he does things passing the ball that people can't do. And, like, he's not the best shooter, even though his shooting numbers this year were, like, really good. Aside from free throws, that's, like, inexcusable. I still, I have no answer for that, and I have no defense for how bad he is at the free throw line. Like, that's just horrible. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, the, at, give me 80%. Give me 80. And instead, he's, like, mid to low 60s. I don't, I won't yeah. defend that. So, but, I mean, to say that he doesn't take games over since, you know, the Detroit series uh, back when, like, Billups was still there, I think that's yeah. a little harsh. He still does that. He did that in Miami for a little bit. But um, I know he hasn't done that type of quality just like it's only me. But the only reason that happened was because that team, 
the guys on the floor were Zadrunas Ilgauskas, Sasha Pavlovich, Ira Nubel, Eric Snow. That team was garbage, man. Like, those... Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. So, like, those early Cavs teams, like, you look at, like, for a while there, the second-blessed player was Larry Hughes. So I totally get why it's, like, the fact that he made it to the finals against the Spurs, like, that was, like, a miracle, the fact that he even got there. But, but I see your point, like... Basically, the playmaker point. Um, but back to yeah. like back to Kyrie though. The one thing that like I, I want to support. I want to be like, okay, you know what? They are going to get a haul for him because that's true. They will do that. And like I want to just be like, okay, let's just trade him because that's what he wants. But when he said the thing like, I want to be the superstar and I want to go to the Timberwolves or Spurs. To me, that made like absolutely no sense. So that's the one thing right now that I'm like a little peeved about is that he's kind of contradicting himself. And he hasn't said anything to the media. This is all just what people are saying he said to the Cavaliers. But I just find that very interesting that he's like, I want to be the superstar. And he's picking a team that has Andrew Wiggins, Carl Towns, and Jimmy Butler. And then he's picking the Spurs, which are like very much, hey, this is not a star show. This is a, you like fit to all what we do and you like better, you know, you better do it. Yeah. I, I'd honestly be surprised if, if he's one of those, like, I want to be the guy kind of guys. Like, I've never really kind of seen that from him. Like, I mean, I don't follow his press conferences or everything, everything he says, like, to a T, like, I, I will with LeBron. But um, I just don't see him as that kind of guy. I think he's more so, like, I just want to control my destiny. You know, I want to be able to, like, kind of create my own team around me or, like, at least, like, choose what I want, you know, instead of having LeBron choose for him. I'd, I'd be surprised if he was like, I want to be the superstar because, like, one, you have to play defense to be a superstar, and two, like, you know, his, his huge statistics are, like, through the roof, and he's still not willing his team to victory, like, yeah. like he should be if he's taking that many shots, you know? Like, yeah, no, I, 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 I totally agree. I know what kind of player he is, and I know what he brings and what he lacks. The defensive, like, you know, the defensive problems are there, and that's, like, that's no joke. That's for real. And also, the amount of, like, you know, he is an awesome playmaker and and the way he finishes at the rim is like literally the best I've ever seen from a point guard. So, yeah. And so and and not to mention he has amazing handles. Like it's he's got a really great package, but it's one of those things where it's like if he does this on his own, I think it's going to be a real rude awakening of what's going to happen because the other thing is the Cavs can get a really good haul. So the team they trade him to, they'll be depleting a bit of the team. So he's going to a team that will already be losing a couple pieces, probably a draft pick, like maybe if it's Phoenix or something like that, it'll be a young player and like a pick, something something along those lines. But the other problem is he's going to go to a team he doesn't get to choose. He, he's saying, I want to go to the Knicks. I want to go to the Spurs or wherever he wants to go. He is under contract for two more seasons. So he is a really tasty offer. It's not like he's Paul George where it's ending soon and teams don't want him. Teams are going to get him for two seasons. And he doesn't have the no trade clause that Carmelo has where he can dictate who the shopper is. So I think you're going to see a team like Orlando or Phoenix, or a team that might not be like ready to roll, but has pieces that the Cavs might want, and that's going to be the team that makes the move. And then all of a sudden, Kyrie might not even be in the playoffs next year, depending upon who he goes to. Right. Yeah. What I, I hate, I hate that 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 could happen because like mm-hmm. what what's going to happen is he's just going to say, well, if you trade me to the Magic, I'm just not going to play. You know, like right. He's 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 already threatened to go play overseas if he doesn't get the deal that he wants, and like. 
I don't like that. It's like, hey man, like this is the, the the business you signed up for. Yeah. But like, you know, I I really don't want him to end up on a team where he just like doesn't go play because he's such an electric player and like. You know, him sitting on the sidelines and, and just moping is not going to be fun to watch. No, it's not going to be fun to watch. It's also just a horrible message to send in the NBA. Like, yeah. what? how bad does it look that one of the stars on one of the best teams in the league that just went to three straight NBA Finals, he was Rookie of the Year, he's a four-time All-Star, three-point champion, like, so many great accolades, cover of the friggin' video game, and yet he wants to leave the, the champions of the East... And not only in that, but he like just doesn't want to be like with LeBron James. Like maybe maybe LeBron is tough to play with. Like I can totally get why LeBron would be tough to play with. It seemed like they were really like close buddies, but I guess like the more you read into it, you're like, you know, Kyrie never said like they're best friends or anything. He said it's challenge learning from LeBron at times and that like it's really hard. Like and you're like you look into some of those things he says and you're like, shit, you know what? He kind of like led on to this a little bit. Which I'm like props to him then if that's the thing. But like it doesn't sound very smart, especially if in 2 years he can just go sign elsewhere, you know? So I feel like he's yeah, got an I, he's I, got an A minus A situation, and he wants like the A plus plus, and it's like, man, that's that's getting greedy, and now you kind of just look bad. Yeah, yeah, I think like uh, you know, it, it's hard to turn down almost a guaranteed path to, to the championship with like you know the team they have now. Like next year, it's like they're probably going to make the finals again. Like Boston could give them a run. I could see Boston winning two or three games in in Eastern Conference Finals, but like. The team as is will probably make the finals again, and it's kind of hard to like turn that down. Yeah. But at the same time, like you know, I, I think Worldwide Blog tweeted this like a couple weeks ago or like last week, saying you know here this was the turning point for for Kyrie when you realize he can't play with LeBron anymore. It was when one reporter after game was like, you know, how much of like how much of a father figure has LeBron been for you? And she was like, wait, what? What is that question? Like, my father's last name is Irving. Like, yeah. LeBron James is not a father figure. Like, he's he, he's a really good basketball player. Like, playing with him, but like, come on now. Like, this is getting crazy. And yeah. Like, that that weighs on you if you're a really good athlete. You know. Oh, hundred like, percent. The first thing I noticed when all this came out, and like Friday, a lot of people were like, Jake, come on, talk. Jake, say something. Jake, Jake. And I'm like, all right, let me get drunk first, and then I'll tweet 21 times. Like, like that's what I was going to do. <laughs> so, like, my whole plan was to do that. Look, think it out fully. I wanted to hear a little bit more come out before I rushed to judgment or anything. But the one thing that, like, it kept on thinking about is, like, he's always been, like, he was always a really good player with a lot of potential on a really shitty basketball team. And then when LeBron came over, he was all-star little brother. And, like, I really think he hates the little brother thing. I think he he looks at that as, like, a, like, what the hell is this? I can cross up anybody and, like, drain a three. I drive through defenses and and make things that people can't make. Like, he does so many things that got him on the – he got on the cover – on his own talents. Like, I know because he went to three straight finals and, like, you know, 1-1 with the big shot, that's all there. But, like, he's not on the cover by accident or because he's LeBron's little brother. So, like, I totally get why he wants what he wants. So that doesn't bother me. I just think, like, man, like, this whole LeBron saga, I don't... If if he leaked it, that would really suck. But, um... It just it just sucks right now because uh, like two months ago, 
or I don't know, I mean, I guess it was only a month ago, when the season ended, they lost the finals, and then Griffin was gone, like, a week later, I'm like, this really sucks, because Griffin came to terms that he was leaving the one-year anniversary of winning the finals, and everyone was posting all stuff about that, and then I posted how it really sucks for the Cavs right now because of that, and a couple people, you, Tom Scotto, a couple other Nick fans, were like, dude, are you really complaining about the Cavaliers right now? I'm like, watch, David Griffin matters more than a lot of GMs matter, and it has been an absolute shit show since the end of the finals. Like, the Cavs have been like the one team in the Eastern Conference... Actually, that's not true. A lot of teams in the Eastern Conference have been sucking since then because everyone's trading their all-stars to the West. But, like, since the end of the season, like, oh, man, the Cavs have just been, like, an absolute dumpster fire. It's something that you'd see out of Brown's camp. It's crazy. Or Nick's camp. Or Nick's camp, yeah. (laughs) That was the other thing, too. I was like, Kyrie Irving really wants to go to the Knicks? I'm like, if you want stability, like, man, that is not exactly the team I'd be mentioning first. I totally get why he would want to go, and like a lot of people are like, "Oh, the he, the you know the Knicks narrative that ESPN is pumping." And I'm like, "No, he grew up in Jersey. Like, I think he's a Knicks fan. He plays well in the Garden. He actually loves that whole thing. So I would totally get why he would want to. And as someone who follows the Knicks and watches the Knicks and grew up watching and going to Nick games, like." Watching him and Porzingis would be a lot of fun, and it's a great like it's a great building block. I don't see it happening though because I think someone's gonna have a better offer. I think so too, and like honestly, like that's that's a tough move going from like the second worst owner in sports to the worst owner in sports. <laughs> right? And, yeah. Like, yeah, I think he's going to look at that and, and and got to think about it a little bit. But then again, he doesn't dictate where he's tr- going to get traded to. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, so I'm glad we had this like civil conversation. This was actually quite surprising. <laughs> I thought like I was going to be like you know the pitchforks were going to be out and like the torches and and Troll City was going to be at my doorstep. But this was good. If this was over here, there there would be some fist being thrown probably. Uh, at least some some much louder voices. Yeah, I I think the louder voices would definitely be a thing. Like uh anytime anytime Tom gets involved and want and I ever try to defend Cleveland in like any way, it gets really bad because I actually bring up good points and people just go like I'll just talk louder than you and I'll be right and oh that's like the one thing that really gets me. <laughs> Like, if you ever need to get to Jake, it's just like, hey, say something stupid, but then talk over him, and he'll lose his goddamn mind. So, like, that's the way to do it. It's almost like you could talk until you're blue in the face, and every single person's like, hey, dude, you have LeBron. Like, shut up. (laughs) Exactly. And that is, like, the bottom line is, like, all right, so the Cavs are in disarray, but what does it say about the Eastern Conference right now that, like, they are still the overwhelming favorites to win the East after, like, all of this garbage? And even if they trade Kyrie for, like, Eric Bledsoe and a draft pick, they're still going to be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, like, I think Boston gives them a run for their money, but, yeah. like, that's pretty much it. Like, I, Toronto, no. Yeah, yeah. I like what Boston's doing. I, I think it's, like, good. Like, they really stuck to their guns. I, I still stand by, I think they should have traded for Paul George or Jimmy Butler at the trade deadline because... I just think like they have so many guys. It's like you know, if you have a really good roster, one through ten, you still need like some superstars. And now that they signed Gordon Hayward, I'm like, you're just taking reps away from other guys that you know yeah. you could have had. I, I and I'm also a huge Paul George fan, so that's another thing. But I mean, now that I look at like 
I was blaming the Cavs for not getting Paul George and not getting Jimmy Butler because after what they were traded for, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, Kevin Love would have been a better offer than what Indiana ended up getting. But it sounds Indiana, like, yeah, it Indiana sounds like Kyrie was more the, the no yeah, yeah, that's what we, like, we all know that. What really sucks is Dan Gilbert yesterday was like, I think Indiana could have gotten more. And I'm like, oh, you're really setting us up for, like, a lot of Cavs could have gotten more for Kyrie jokes. Like, that is oh, going to yeah. be really bad. Like, he's okay. he's difficult to work with. And that's why David Griffin left, is that apparently, like, he'll just go from absent owner who's not around for, like, weeks to he wants to dictate everything and gets his, like, head in the middle of every trade and calls, like, teams without GM's consent. And it's like, I don't blame David Griffin for wanting to leave. And that's why I also didn't join the Knicks is because he didn't want a worse owner than Dan Gilbert. Like, David Griffin's a good GM that's going to build up a good team once he finds, like, a new spot. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, have you seen the numbers that they've thrown out for, like, how much Gilbert was getting paid and how much they offered Chomsky Phillips? Like... They were, Gilbert was getting paid like 25% of like the league actors for GMs or something insane like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it just goes to show like, if you pay, like, uh, it's just so frustrating. It's like wildly frustrating because it's something that I'm like, this is backwards right now because the last couple of years have gone really well. And now I'm like leaning on the Browns to give me some like stability and like football camp cannot start soon enough. At least, at least college football, I can't, like, blame Ohio State for anything right now. Yeah, as I was leaving the office today, go talk about football now. As I was leaving the office today, I heard Odell Beckham is asking for the highest contract in the NFL right now, at least for wide receivers. Wonderful. And I'm just so, I'm just so strong right now over that. Yeah, I mean, look, he's gonna, like, earn it, but it's just wildly frustrating to see that, like, it's like, goddamn, like, it can never be easy with have, handling, like, these superstars. Of course, you know, this is of like, course these are like champagne problems we're talking about. We're like complaining about LeBron James and Odell Beckham, but like, <laughs> but I loved Odell Beckham coming out of LSU. I wanted the Browns to get him and Manziel whoops so badly. I wanted that like combo, and uh, like you know, I guess one out of two ain't bad. I don't know. <laughs> Sarcasm <laughs> font. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> looking, look, looking back, uh, I. Definitely not a one out of two. That's a flat zero out of two. Yeah, after the draft, I was like, you know, I would have liked Derek Carr too, but nah, Johnny Football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Beckham deserves to get paid, and, and you know, it's crazy the contract he's on now, and, you know, he's legitimately the best part of the Giants, and it's not even close, but mm-hmm. at, at the same time, it's, it's come on, just make it easy for fans just once. Like, yeah. He's, he's frustrating. I mean, I know he's like, at times he'll go off for 200 yards and two touchdowns and like, will will the Giants back into a game and a win that like, they really had no business having. But then like, all the antics, it's like, can't they just not be there? Like, do you really need to be doing this? Like, it's just a little bit too much. Yeah, if he didn't have the antics, like if he went out there and put up those numbers without the antics, I'd be like, give him whatever he wants. Yeah. Like, the fact that he could also lose you a game with a dumb penalty, like mm-hmm. that's alarming. Like you don't you don't pay the most of anybody in the league to a guy that can lose you a game by yeah. being an idiot. Yeah, no, it's it's unreal. It's like you have he he puts up these numbers, but then and the the thing that bothers me the most is like let's go back to like the whole uh, kicking net thing where like he punched the net, it hit him in the face, it became a gif, it was hilarious. 
Um, and then he like kisses it. He apologized to it. He proposes to it. And I'm like, you're still doing this shit. Like they were about to lose to the Packers like late in the game. And he was pulling this. And I'm like, that's the, mo- that was the most frustrating thing is that he didn't even like think like, Oh, you know, we're about to lose, but I'm doing this, which is all about myself. And that, the other thing is his teammates, they won't say it, but they hate that. Like, that's something where, like, if you're, like, I'll go back to, like, Dave Deal days, because Dave Deal was one of my, like, is probably my favorite giant ever. I think he's, like, a really, like, I know I know that's, like, the craziest thing I've said today, but, like, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of what Dave Deal has said when he was on the Giants, and, like, now that he's an announcer, I think he's done a really good job, so I'm just, like, a big yeah. fan of him. But, like, okay. that's something where, like, just pick all right, pick out of a hat a random veteran offensive lineman. You know, th- that's something that really bothers the shit out of you because you go out there, you do your job, you don't get notoriety for it, and then all of a sudden, you know, a guy either makes a play or doesn't make a play, and it's all about him no matter what. It's, like, wildly frustrating to see yeah. one guy dictate, like, the narrative of your team based on what he does or doesn't do. It's it's frustrating. So Yeah, and like I've loved watching like Dez implode and I loved watching Deshaun Jackson like ruin the Eagles mm-hmm. and like and you just knew it was gonna happen with Beckham and like you know, I guess it really hasn't happened yet, but like you know something is going to happen where it's just like God damn it, this guy is now losing us football games. Yeah, yeah, fortunately, the Giants are, like, one of the top, like, four or five best run, or like, franchises in American sports, so, like, they've got that on their side, that, like, if anybody can handle Odell Beckham, it's probably the Giants, whereas you're comparing it to the Dallas Cowboys, where it's, like, Jerry Jones wants stars and kind of doesn't really think about what's going to happen afterwards, so, like... Like the fact when Des Bryant was drafted, you're like, this is going to be probably a really good mix and also probably a real pain in the ass at the same time. But that's kind of like what Dallas fans are. So I kind of, you know, like, I guess like that's like what they expect from their team. But with Odo Beckham, I thought like, you know what, he's becoming a diva, but like, it just seems like he's in the right situation for a team to be able to handle a diva. So I still think he's going to go out there. He's going to do some dumb things, but at the end of the day, Giants probably going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be 10 and six, maybe win the division or be a wild card. And all of a sudden they're playing in the Super Bowl again. Yeah, that's fair. I also don't think the Giants have really had a personality like him in, in a long time. Oh like yeah. Maybe, good point. Maybe yeah. LT was this explosive. Like I, I, I don't know. I wasn't fully alive then. Um, but also, I mean, like, I guess, like, the closest is Plastico, and he just fucking shot himself instead of acting like an asshole. Yeah, probably. and it wasn't even Plastico's, like, personality. It was just, like, a dumb mistake he made. But, like, I totally get it. Like, their wide receivers, for the most part, have been, like, the Amani Toomer types. Like, the yeah. guy, and, like, even, like, Victor Cruz, like, he does the dance, but, like, that's, like, the worst thing Victor Cruz ever did is a touchdown celebration. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, and, yeah, it, it's... totally cool. I love this one. I, I pretend I can do it after a couple drinks all the time. I think I would like it a lot more if I was a New York Giants fan, but I see it and I'm like, I just still think Victor Cruz is super overrated. But um, it would also like like going back. I don't want to harp on this too much. I don't want to like like dig on Victor Cruz, who's probably a really nice guy. But like when Odo Beckham was drafted, and like two Giant fans were like, "This is stupid. We didn't need him." I was like, 
Victor Cruz is not better than Odell Beckham Jr. The guy is going to be insane. And I'm like, I was like, ha, proved you wrong. And then they're the guys that are like, yeah, well, our team's in the playoffs, you idiot. And I'm like, yeah. Right. Well, we got Johnny Manziel. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Now you're all in big, big trouble. And I know, like, this is, I, I say this about every late July ever, but, like, I kind of think the Browns are doing this the right way. And as much as people want to say, like, oh, the Browns are being the Browns, typical Browns. Like, over the past year, all the personnel moves they've made, like, watch out. They're going to be not, like, th- this year is still going to be, like, five, six wins tops. But, like, watch out for the Browns in, like, two years or so. The way they're building the team is, like, they're going to be, like, a threatening team soon. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It all just depends on, on the quarterback. Who is the starting quarterback right now? It's a good question. Um, right now, it's... That's, that's it's, the problem. Yeah, well, right now, it's Cody Kessler who was, like, okay, it's just that he, like, keeps on getting concussions and apparently couldn't throw the ball downfield that well, which, like, is true. But, according to reports, his, like, the zip coming off of his passes is great. So, I know we've never heard that coming out of training camp before. So, like, you know, watch out for the quarterback who's throwing the ball a little bit tighter. Uh, His diet's different now. Like, all of the cliche things you hear out of the first two day of camps, like, that has come out about Cody Kessler, so watch out. And Brock Osweiler still thinks he's pretty good, so he's here. Yeah, well, that's not true. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, it's, you know, you know, your team is in trouble when, like, if somebody asks you who your quarterback is, they don't know. Like the Jets are, are in that same yeah. area right now. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I do agree with you. I think they are doing a lot of the right things, and like, if they, if they. If they catch a good quarterback in the draft, then yeah, they're they're a scary team in, in five years. But yeah, like right now, like you know, I'm not afraid of it. They got Deshaun Kaiser, Notre Dame quarterback, in the second round. He's got his flaws, but he's also six four, two hundred forty pounds. Got a really good arm and was pretty good at Notre Dame. So, like, we'll see how that works out. Unfortunately. They're going to have two quarterback injuries and force Kaiser to play before he's ready because that's just exactly what happens when you're here. It's crazy that Joe Thomas is one of the best offensive linemen of our of our lifetime, yet he's seen his quarterbacks get hurt literally three times a year on average. Like everyone, everyone loves the Browns quarterback, like Carousel and all those, like the jersey that everybody's seen. Everybody loves that, and I totally get it. What they don't get is. Like, most of those have happened because of injury. It is so crazy the amount of injuries that happen to Browns quarterbacks. Five alone last year. It's it's yeah. nuts. It's just, like, it's so crazy. And meanwhile, in that entire time, Eli Manning has, like, yet to just ever even get, like, a sprained ankle. It's... it's you, kn- you knock on wood right now, Jake. Um, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I knocked on wood. Hear that? Knocking on wood. Yes. Yeah. But, like, you understand my point. Like, even Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, and he comes back, like, two games later, and you're like, didn't he, like, break everything in his knee? And you're like, yeah, I think so. But, like, all he did was miss a shitty Week 17 game against the Browns, and all of a sudden he's ready for the wildcard game. It's like, god damn it. Like, like it's just always happening to us. So I think this is where it starts to turn around. Yeah. I mean, the best, avail- the best ability is availability, Jake. And if Eli Manning is there, then... Every team in the world should be scared, especially the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're alive and the NFC East is filled with teams that have major flaws, like they are, they're still in it. And and the best part of the NFL, make the playoffs, you are a Super Bowl contender. That's all it comes down to. Is because every year there's just you make the playoffs and you are a Super Bowl contender. Especially with the Giants. All right, last thing before you go, because I don't want you to go without mentioning the Yankees. They 
have single-handedly performed like the best rebuild I've ever seen. It, this was supposed yeah. to be this was supposed to be the lumps year, like a 500 like maybe 500 was best. Instead, they look like they're going to be the first wild card. There are a couple other teams that are going to challenge them for the first wild card, but it, it I mean, the rebuild has gone exactly it, it it couldn't be going any better. So, what should we be expecting is Aaron Judge going to be the MVP is are they going to make the playoffs? What do you think? Tell me, you're the inside source too. You're you're from inside the building. <laughs> Formerly inside the building, I have no real sources there anymore. <laughs> um, and I was as far removed as, as player personnel as possible. But right. Um, no, I mean, look, this has been like, you know, the Yankees have haven't been a fun team in a long, long time. Like I remember, even when like when Jeter left, like the locker room, like there was an air of like, okay, cool, like we can kind of have fun now. Like you know, our our big brother that never smiled is gone. Yeah, and all the farewell tours were over between two years of him and Rivera. It was like, that's the entire team's identity right now. Yeah, no, exactly. And, like, now these guys are out there, they're having fun. Like, they're young, they're, you know, watching these young guys on the base path is exciting. Like, it's a really fun team. I think they're definitely a playoff team. Like, it's, it's honestly like, can we can we get some pitching? And mm-hmm. if we can get some, some, like, legit starting pitchers, like, we're, 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 like, a really hard out in the playoffs. Like, our bats can come alive like no other. Like, we have guys that can, you know, you have Judge, you have Sanchez that can hit home runs, like, literally on command. Um, and that's, that's tough to knock out. We just need the pitching now. Our, our bullpen is, like, is back again. We just need guys that can get us to the sixth inning consistently. Yeah. So what is your prediction for the rest of the season from them? I think we could actually, we could win the AL East. Um... We just, like, you know, we went on a crazy run to start, like a very improbable run, and then obviously, like, that came crashing down, but I think we actually win the AL East, and then it's, it's honestly, like, if we get some help in our in our rotation, like, we're, we're a World Series. We're yeah. World Series for sure. Okay, wow. So it's glad to see that you gained some humility from your two years of rebuilding and uh, that Yankee fans still don't go right to their head. So awesome Yanker, to see that. Championship or bust every single year. Oh, God, what that life could have been. It would have been... You, I would have been the greatest New York fan ever if I, if my parents decided, you know what, screw Cleveland sports, you are Giants-Yankees through and through. Like, I would have... Dominated. I would have dominated the history books and everything. It's not too late, Jake. I would welcome you with open arms on the Yankee bandwagon. I don't have that in me. I can't switch. <laughs> because if I switch from being a Browns fan and an Indians fan, guess who's winning the Super Bowl like in two years? Like that's exactly how it would go. Maybe that's you know what? Maybe I am that fan. Maybe I have to fall on the sword so that all the other Cleveland fans can reap the benefits. I think the sports gods would recognize a facade like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'd be like, no, 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 Jake. We we read right <laughs> through your bullshit all the time. You know exactly what's going on, and we're not falling for that. You still have Kobe Kessler. <laughs> That's a horribly accurate truth, so... <laughs> All right, Justin, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I will have your shirt for you this weekend, so uh, oh, yeah. if I don't see you, I'll, I'll get it to you somehow. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming on to the show. Thanks for donating to the Jake Podcast. And uh, can't wait to have you on again. It's my, it's my sincerest honor. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. <laughs>
All right, so that was Justin Canning, a good friend of mine. That was a great interview. Uh, talked about New York sports. Talked a, a lot about Cleveland, what's to be expected out of LeBron and Kyrie. So if, uh, if that's not your cup of tea, sorry, but I think you've kind of learned that on this podcast we talk about sports from time to time. So, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a real treat. Justin Canning, he really knows his stuff. Used to work for the New York Yankees. Uh, I think it was in the ticket sales department. But still, uh, he was in-house uh, when I was working there in 2013 at Master Square Garden. Steve Lorenzo was at the Daily News. Justin was at the Yankees. We had a really sports-centered room up on uh, 98th and Amsterdam. Uh, but, yeah, Justin knows his stuff. And, uh, I mean, this is one of the guys, if you follow me and him on Twitter, you'll see we had a big exchange this past weekend with regards to Kyrie, LeBron, the Cavaliers, and made it basically all about flying our kites. But uh, if you if you follow, trust me, it, it made a lot of sense. It was it was good stuff. He's a smart guy. But uh, yeah, not a bad interview with Justin Canning. So moving on, we got a one minute movie review. Last week went to go see. Baby Driver with uh, my friend Pat Miles. Kind of like a last minute thing. We heard that this was a movie you gotta see in theaters. And movie review starts right now. Yeah, and it was. It was a great movie. We sat down and the first thing that was in the movie was a thank you by the director Edgar Wright who has done Shaun of the Dead and a couple other pretty good films. Shaun of the Dead was was my favorite That that you know, of his uh, really funny way to kind of make violence and comedy bringing it together, and you saw that a lot in, in Baby Driver. He brought that together where you could still be funny with a bit of a gory violence to it. So in Baby Driver, you have this kid who owes a debt to Kevin Spacey. His name is Baby in the movie. And uh, he robbed Kevin Spacey at a young age, owes him a debt, and, and Kevin's deal was, look, uh, you are my driver, because he was boosting cars since he was a little kid, you are my driver until we are square with everything you uh, stole from me. So he's kind of just been paying off this debt his entire time. He works with different crews. It's a different crew every time. So like one night you had Jamie Foxx, another night you had John Hamm. Uh, another was John Barenthal from uh, The Walking Dead. And uh, he was in The Wolf of Wall Street. Really good actors in this movie. Jamie Foxx kind of was like this unhinged character. It was really cool to see him change up a little bit and be like kind of a psychopath. Uh, John Hamm, you know, through the beginning part of the movie, you're like, yeah, you know, this guy, he seems like the cool bad guy, and turns out he's got a little psycho to him as well. And John Barenthal, he's usually a psycho. Flea was in it. Flea was great. I love seeing Flea in movies. You know, uh, back from when he was in uh, The Big Lebowski you know, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flea, he was in it. And Kevin Spacey, obviously, is a great actor. The movie was phenomenal. Uh, I love racing movies i love chase heist movies and it had a, like a really funny like comedy aspect to it and the way they're able to incorporate music into the scenes where it was almost like matched up the song like tequila was in the previews a lot they mashed up the song so that it kind of mimicked everything that was happening in the scene i didn't really see any movie like that before uh if you have a chance go see it in theaters edgar wright was thanking people for seeing in theaters because that's the way that he envisioned it to be seen. I was hoping that it wasn't like a desperation thank you of like, hey, 
we're not getting the viewership that we usually do. Thank you for going to the theaters. It's a dying industry. I really don't think that's where it was. It came off a little bit like that. Uh, I hope that's not really what he was going for. But uh, overall, really great movie. I would 100% recommend it to anyone. It, uh, it was even told to be like kind of a good date movie, and I don't disagree with that. I think it would be a good date movie, as long as you're cool with like a little bit of violence, car chases, um, British actors. It's, it's all good. I really liked it, and uh, I would definitely see it again. It's an obvious 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, like Shocker there. It's a great movie. So I would check out Baby Driver. And next week, I believe, what am I doing? I think I'm going to see The Big Sick. I think I'm actually going later tonight if I can make it there in time. So yeah, so check out Baby Driver if you have a chance. Okay, so moving on, I'll do a little bit of a review time right now before we finish up here. Uh, Game of Thrones, episode two. I mean, this show is really coming together. The, the frequency of important things happening has never happened like this in the show before. Usually... It would take five episodes to get as far as we've gotten in two so far. You know, right now, Jon Snow is on his way to go meet with Daenerys, something that we've been waiting six full seasons for. And he's going to go be there. And it looks like he's going to be there next week. The Red Witch has already talked to Daenerys. Uh, Cersei is building her defense. This is going to be a really fun like rest of the season. And then I just realized earlier today... There's only five episodes left. It quickly jumped into, all right, we're, you know, supposed to, supposedly, if you want to look at it, the midway point of the season because we're used to ten episodes, so five left. But I guess that's why it's kind of happened so quickly. But we've got some really good stuff coming up. Game of Thrones, if, if you're one of those who haven't seen it, haven't ever watched an episode, or don't know any of the characters, it is okay. Maybe wait out the season and then watch it all, binge it all before the next and final season. Uh, I, that's the way I would do it if I had never seen Game of Thrones and I was told it was it was this good. So, because I, at first I was like, uh, it's not a show I'm interested in. And then I added on good authority that it would be a show that I'd be interested in. I binge-watched the first season and was hooked. And it has only gotten better. Every season seemingly is better than the last. Uh, the last couple episodes of season six were probably some of the best scenes in television history, just back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So... And, and this season hasn't been any different. Euron Greyjoy is becoming a really fierce uh, bad guy. And it looks like he's going to be even worse now that he has some prisoners of his own from Daenerys' army. It's going to be really good. The end of the season is going to be another phenomenal one. I'm really interested to see where they go from here. Uh, if you want to, check out Owen Stewart and I had a podcast from two weeks ago previewing what we thought would happen on Game of Thrones. And so far, we've kind of nailed a couple big points that have happened so far in this season in terms of the Greyjoys and uh, Cersei and Jamie. So if you want to kind of check it out, if you want to recap a little bit, go back to episode 12 of this podcast when Owen Stewart and I talked about the Game of Thrones preview. I would totally suggest it. So um, check that out. But also, we'll move on to my next preview. The Bachelorette Finals is coming up. They kind of left us hanging. I don't know if the men tell-all is next week or if the finals is in two weeks. or Really, they, they kind of just mashed everything together in the preview. Nothing has changed. 
Um, it seems like they really want us to believe that Peter is going to bail for some reason or is going to say something really hurtful. But I feel like every time they lead in with just, that was hurtful, oh my God, tears crying. This is just a play that ABC does to get you to watch and then it ends up being nothing. Remember when there was supposedly going to be a fight between Lee and Kenny? Yeah, that never happened. Kenny was got like gouged in, in by like a like a fencing thing or, or a jousting match. So like, let's just like pump the brakes. Peter's not going anywhere yet. I think Peter and Brian are the finalists, even though they're kind of dumbing those guys down a little bit and not giving them a chance. And now the family really grilled Brian for no reason whatsoever. So this should be really interesting going forward. But I'm still sticking to my guns of Peter and Brian as the final two, which has kind of been like the favorites all season long, if you've been watching. But good that this is coming to an end, because that means that our show, Bachelor in Paradise, will be back shortly. So really excited for Bachelor in Paradise to come back, because I this the Bachelorette has been bad. The Bachelor in Paradise is even worse, but it's just it's like good for the soul. You gotta turn off your brain let the drama take over and just like have fun with it. And this is going to be really interesting because of all the stuff that's been happening in the news about Bachelor in Paradise. So really interested in that. Once again, want to thank everybody who has donated to the Jake podcast and bought a shirt. Uh, and for the future donators, I appreciate you as well. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I've been having a great time with this. So in the beginning of the episode, I thanked all of my contributors i will get you your shirts i will be picking them up on friday the whatever tomorrow is friday the 28th i guess and i uh, can't wait to distribute them a lot of people have already paid so i will get them the shirts to the people that have paid first the lucky rando winner i will get you your shirt as well um this has been a, a great time you're gonna love the shirt it's 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 fun it's i mean you know it's it's a shirt but at the same time like it's been supporting my podcast, so uh, I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to upgrade my new uh, equipment where I get uh, my phone adapted to it, so that you don't have to listen to crackly phone interviews anymore. That'll be great. One of the things that did last week was a comedy show at the Comedy Cellar in New York. My friend Chris had the idea of a bunch of us going to see a stand-up comedy there and getting some pizza around the corner afterwards. And we had such a blast. It was a great time. None of this, uh, the comedians I ever heard of before, but they were all really, really good, really talented people. And uh, I had a great time there. Can't wait to go again. I think we're going to go at the end of August. But it got me thinking for this week's top five. Uh, my top five stand-up comedians. Okay? So, and, and this is this is basically based on the stand-up show that we went to, but also... Because I'm seeing number five next week. Bill Burr, uh, not next week, two weeks, will be in Red Bank. Really excited for that. Bill Burr is my one of my top fives. He's really great. If you've seen his Netflix specials, you know how funny he is. But the thing that sticks out to me about Bill Burr is that he runs a podcast kind of like the way I do it. And that he doesn't have a co-host. He rarely brings on guests. I realized long ago that... I need guests to kind of help me through these episodes. Uh, but he doesn't need guests. He sometimes has his wife come on, you know, just because they record in the house. But he is he doesn't need it. He just rants 
and the guy is so talented. It's one of my favorite podcasts, which makes him one of my favorite comedians. I can't wait to see him at the Count Basie Theater uh, August 10th. That would be a lot of fun. He's going to be there all weekend, so get tickets if you haven't gotten them because it's going to be great. Uh, my number four is John Mulaney, guy that was just at Count Basie the other day. I didn't get tickets for that because they sold out really fast. He, Kid Gorgeous, has becoming like it has become one of the best comedians out there. He's really popular. He had a little show about him. He wrote for SNL. Like there is John Mulaney. He's still pretty young too. He's going places. The guy is super funny. He's relatively clean, too. Like, Bill Burr's not really clean that much, and my next comedian's not clean at all. But John Mulaney keeps it clean for the most part. He is really great. Uh, I would, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen his stuff, you really have to. New in Town is a good one. Um, but but John Mulaney's going places. He's definitely one of my tops. He could be number one, but for this list, we're going with number four. Number three, I mentioned Dirty, is Rob Delaney. Uh, John Mulaney, Rob Delaney, saw him a couple years ago, actually for Justin Gannon's birthday, funny enough. Uh, we saw him at Caroline's on Broadway. He is raunchy, really gets into it, but the guy is as funny as you can, as stand-up comedians get. He is, he's a Twitter presence too, where he gets really ridiculous tweets out there. He'll tweet at like big corporations like Walmart and Petco, really weird things where he really gets into it, but you got to check out Rob Delaney is my number three, and uh, his Netflix special wasn't as great as 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 I remember him being stand up and live. But follow him on Twitter. It's he's an acquired taste. He's a little dirty, but also like it's childish at times, and yet it's still kind of like an advanced humor. It's uh, it's not for everybody, but he is. He's my number three, and and another that could argue for number one. Uh, number two is Dave Chappelle. I mean, he's kind of on everybody's list at this point. He, even though he went away for so long, he came back and just absolutely crushed it. His Netflix special is great. His uh, special from Washington D.C. is also phenomenal. I don't know any of the names of these, but his other one, the one from San Francisco, is huge. Dave Chappelle is as good as it gets. Even his skits from The Chappelle Show, which only was, I think it was three seasons. It might have only been two. Those were the best. He is, like, the king of comedy. And also, like, my biggest guilty pleasure is black comedians doing white male voices. I think it's so funny when they put on this, like, absolutely ridiculously stereotypical white male voice. Like, this is something that if it was the other way around, it would be super racist and super not okay in 2017. But it being this way, I think it's so funny. When he does Chuck Taylor, the news broadcaster, I think it's, like, one of the funniest skits out there. So Dave Chappelle, another one that's great. Uh, number one, this was really tough. Like, I could have gone so many directions for my top five. I think Louis C.K. is really funny. I've seen Mike Berbiglia. Ber 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 He's really great and also usually keeps it kind of clean. Jim Gaffigan's another one that like keeps it clean, has a show, super funny, very relatable because most of his stuff is about like eating and stuff like that. Um, Hannibal Burris, really funny and super underrated. I'm like waiting for him to really blow up. He's still kind of hidden. I guess he's kind of big now, but, you know, and then, of course, Aziz Ansari is another one that 
A lot of people think I'm like his biggest fan. I think he's great, but when it comes to stand-up, I think he's good. But as an actor, I think he's really great too. Like uh, he's you know from Parks and Rec and now Master of None. Aziz is is going places as an actor, not just stand-up comedian. My number one uh, for people that know me, this isn't much of a surprise. It's Brian Regan. I've seen him now like four or five times. He is like the king of clean comedy. He makes everything relatable. All of his jokes are about how like he can be kind of dumb in the house, dumb growing up. Uh, he's kind of useless at times. He is, he's without a doubt my number one favorite comedian. As much as all the other ones kind of like push to be my favorite, Brian Regan is so great. We saw him in November, the four of us, my sister, my parents, and I, after a Princeton football game, we went to the show. And even skits we've heard years ago, he was absolutely killing it. It was like it was like we were hearing it for the first time ever. It was unbelievable, and that's why Brian Regan is the best. Anyway, that's an hour. That's my show. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, next week, week fifteen, will be great again. I don't know who my guest is yet, but it's going to be a good one. I promise. All right. Thank you for all those who donated. And uh, looking forward to what the future brings of the Jake podcast. Take care.